Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I am your jet lag host, Ben Glicksman, alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And uh, as Matt said before we started, if it feels like it's been a while, that's because it's been a while. It's been a little bit, yes. And I'm I'm the opposite of jet lag. I haven't been outside the Pacific time zone in four months now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very much on my home base for a bit. <laughs> Football season will change that. But, you know, until August... I'm, I'm centrally located here in the old Pacific time zone. We will get into football. We will get into Doug Haller's State of the Athletic Department article that he wrote. Uh, we'll talk a little NBA Finals. But first, uh, the Saudi-led LIV live, but Roman numeral 54, because we only play 54 holes. Golf yeah. experience is underway. The PGA has suspended everyone who didn't resign from the PGA for an indefinite length of time. Uh, yeah. Phil Mickelson had to use a marker to black out the Masters logo on his uh, vest. Yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. He's he's something else. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. I could say a lot about him. None of it good. But uh, so we're here. We're here now. Yeah, we're a, here. The the yeah. breakaway. You know, for a little bit of context, and all I can provide is a little bit of context. Uh, yeah. But for a little bit of context, the Saudi government using funds set aside for cultural and other things has uh, bankrolled this venture. They, it is a different format. So it's teams of four golfers Very. playing a shotgun style start, uh, playing 54 holes. A lot of money's at stake. If you finish last, you get six figures. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's also been reports of nine-figure deals for certain players to join this group, including yeah, at least uh, three. Yeah, and uh, so here we are. We're in a whole different sort of world now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just, it's. Um... There's so much about it that I don't like. I mean, it, the, you know, first of all, the PGA Tour would be very happy with you that you that you let in by calling it the Saudi-backed league because they are really hammering that, which, I, hey, good PR. I'm not questioning the strategy at all. Well, and, Every time they put out a statement, they call it the Saudi Golf League. Well, uh, so and, they, are, they are making sure that that doesn't get forgotten. Well, and, you know, quite frankly, Phil Mickelson didn't do any favors to that you know, league when no. he basically was like, well, sure. They've committed atrocities. But, sure. You know, sure. this is about yeah. money and golf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, um, you know, it, the, the Saudi involvement is one of those things that I, I hesitate to even dive into that water of why I don't like it. I mean, I don't like it for that reason, but then you, you just invite the, well, but the PGA tour plays in China. The NBA has a relationship with China and it, and, and, and it just it just evolves into a, you know, my dad can beat up your dad almost type argument. And it's exhausting. Like, I, I follow sports to not have to, you know, deal with the political stuff, to be honest. Well, and, we're recording and, this you know, during the January 6th uh, hearings because neither of us wanted exactly, to watch that exactly. more yeah, than we wanted you know, to talk like sports. I, I get exhausted by that. And, and you know, I mean, am I you know am i championing what you know saudi arabia does absolutely not and i and i think these guys are are deplorable for basically you know 
taking giant sums of money and then, you know, pretending that it's some sort of, you know, let's grow the game. That it's is such only crap. For, it's only for golf purposes. Uh, that was one of the... Right. Uh, so I only read the New York Times story about this, but one yeah. of the things they said is, you know, there there was a, a criticism that obviously it wasn't the writer, but it was uh, from someone in the PGA yeah. talking about... You know, to talk about this as the point of this is to grow the game and competition's yeah. good and, you know, we're trying to draw fan interest in a new way. It's like, well, you you took a lot of money to do it's, this. It, yeah, it's 100% a money grab. And, you know, like, and then you well, get the argument of, well, if someone paid you, you know, 10 well, times what you made. And that's the yeah. thing is I saw a couple of the guys, I think it, I, it was, uh, maybe it was Dustin Johnson and Kevin Na. Who, yeah. who basically put out a statement saying, I made this choice for my family and for our financial circumstance. Sure, like, sure. And, and I mean, financially, yeah, you can't argue with it, but you can argue in some ways with the, with the morality of it. Now, I hate to, again, I hate to say that because we don't, we don't, you know, we don't have that discussion in pro football. We don't say, you know. Uh, so we have discussions about somebody should take less money, but it's never based on a morality. It's, no, it's although based we do a, talk about the morality in general of, you know, the hits guys take and things. Sure, and, sure. But in terms of, you know, maximizing your value, as a, hey, oh, you, yeah, you can. But It's the whole but argument again, for college athletes being paid. It's, exactly, exactly. Ex- yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like get what you can. And, you know, but this is just, it's exorbitant. It's ri- It's ridiculously exorbitant. And it is... You know, just like golf is a sport that always felt like, compared to other sports that you and I follow intensely, you know, a meritocracy is the word that gets used. You show up and you make the money for for that position of where you finish in the field. And if you miss the cut, you go home with nothing. Oh, yeah, there is no cut in this. And that's that's not the case with this. I mean, there is no cut. Last place, as you said, last place is $120,000. That is, I mean, now granted, inflation and money's gone up, but you know, That's, when Tiger Woods uh, won his first professional event, he didn't make one hundred twenty thousand dollars winning mm-hmm. the event. Um, and, and you know, now like the last place guy is going to make more than the guy who finishes fifth at the Canadian Open this week. So it's 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 insane. But then it leaves you thinking, like, did the PGA Tour really have a card to play? They probably had cards to play, but when you're competing against a bottomless pit of money. What do you do? I mean, the thing, the thing that's crazy, right, is the players, I think, still are maintaining their sponsorships, but there's no yeah, TV um, coverage. There's no... So, like, this is all money before they have a TV deal. Right, know? right. And once there's and a TV deal... it seems they don't deal, care about gonna, that. You know? Like, do they even care about a TV deal? I mean, that is the thing about this that is so different, and I don't think American sports fans in general, quite grasp. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. Like we're used to, uh, the XFL tries to get off the ground and you got to add a TV deal and you got to have attendance and you got to, and if those things falter, the league falters. Mm-hmm. This isn't that like, they don't care if it is successful from a monetary perspective. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. They don't care. Like they, their, their whole objective is to spend so much money and, and, you know, Sports wash. I'm sure you saw that term in, mm-hmm. in the you know New York Times. It's well out there. Uh, you know the reputation of Saudi Arabia and make Saudi Arabia a more acceptable place for businesses to go. 
Well, they don't care. That, They're not trying to make money on this venture. You see so that it's not kind of all over. They, the, one of the points they made in the article I read was, you know, there are a lot of Saudi owners of Premier League teams now. Right, and right, exactly. There's a... F1. You know, exactly. And there's a... Russia having the World Cup and now Qatar having the World Cup. There's right. a a desire to get eyeballs and say, well, look, we can't be all bad because they sure. are coming here. Sure. They're taking oh, us, you know. It's, this is far from the first example of, I mean, sports washing is a term I hadn't heard of before maybe a year ago, but it's existed for decades. I mean, China's had the Olympics and, and uh, you know, I mean, even going back, you know, I, I read this, I'm stealing the point, but, you know, Germany having the 36 Olympics, I think it was 36, mm-hmm. um, you know, with Jesse Owens, like that was a way to, you know, make it seem like, hey, this isn't such a bad place. Uh, you, you know, the, the world found out that that wasn't true, but like, it, you know, like it, it's all that. So I get it from their perspective. Sure. The amount of money they're spending is so laughable that we're trained to, we're trained as American sports fans to think, oh my God, you're spending, you know, 200 million on Phil Mickelson. Oh, that's, you're going to regret that. But no, I don't think they are. Because it doesn't because matter. It doesn't matter. They've got a bottomless pit of money. This is not an NFL franchise that gives a ridiculous contract to a, a quarterback and it's like, well, that's going to hurt them in a couple of years. I mean, yeah, it's the it equivalent is. of you or I giving someone a $20 tip. Pretty like, much. You Pretty don't much. even, yeah. like, yeah. yeah, you may, like, in the moment be like, oh, do I have that cash on me? I do. Okay, here you go. <laughs> But I'll like, do it. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's, but it's a, it's a drop in the bucket and, and you know, I mean, the oil money ain't stopping. Like that's the thing. The money they've got is just going to keep getting added. And I, you know, it's just, it's so again, to go, to go to it, like the thing I don't, I mean, again, I don't like the Saudi involvement. I don't like all that, but what I don't like about it is how like just soulless the competition is 48 guys, no cut, Everybody walks away with a giant check. We're playing these events that don't have any history, any name, any anything. It's it's just it's soulless. And I'm not saying the PGA Tour offers you know a great term in every week because it doesn't. But at least there's there's some history behind uh, some of these events. You know, the Canadian Open this week is one of the oldest tournaments in the world. It's a national open. Um, you know, there's something that means something about winning the Canadian Open. Um, winning the you know live invitational London, who cares? And these teams, the team names are are ridiculous. They're going to change every week. Like you know, it's not even drafting a team for the whole season. Like you draft a team for this week, and then you have different guys next next tournament. Like it's just it's such a cheapened version of of you know what I think professional golf should be, and what I think a lot of people think, and. And, and so it just depresses me in some ways. It honestly does. I have, I have found it very, like, just difficult. I love golf, and I get into golf in the summer especially a lot. And I've just been kind of like in a malaise this week about this because it just feels like the train has left the station. Well, one thing that just occurred to me while we were talking about this and a comment you made about how yeah. – you know, it's sports watching and they don't care that the point is not that it's profitable or valuable. Right. It, it's the WWE Saudi show every year. Like, yeah, you know, the first year or whatever they didn't, they couldn't have women wrestlers. And it's like, well, who, right. who cares? We're doing it. We're right. taking the money. Right. And, and the WWE is a great example of what people are, have been concerned about this in the golf world for a while, which is remember when WWE first went over there, 
They took a lot of heat for it. Mm-hmm. They were under fire. How can you do this? And now we've just got normalized to it. Yeah, we don't even really think about it. They go over yeah. there, big, whatever. And and that is what I think people are concerned about in the golf world is we'll just get normalized to it. It'll just two years from now, if this is still going, it'll just be whatever, and we'll forget about the the absurdity of it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And you know, again, I hate I hate the morality play. I realize that pro sports is is a business, and if somebody's going to offer you so much money to play less tournaments and one less round per tournament and you have no chance of missing a cut, you know, financially a hundred percent, it makes sense. I can't say that it doesn't, but it's like, have some soul, man. Yeah. Well, if you told me, if you told me that the bottom of my job, I was going to still make six figures. Yeah. Yeah. You know, not, I don't have to do great. I just have to show up. You have to show up. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I do that. There's no guarantee yeah, any I mean, given like, year of getting six figures. And, and now right. you're, just, you're saying every time I show up, I'm getting six figures. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the interesting thing about this is, is so that, you know, they have a field of 48 guys this week and, and 48 is their cap on the field. And so now they're, you know, they're getting at least a couple other guys that are going to join them for the first event here in the U S and probably by then there'll be others. So some of those guys at the bottom that, that, you know, now are facing the sanctions from the PGA tour, European tour, whatever, they're going to get cut. Like, I mean, they're going to, they're, they're going to be, you know, sunk cost. And now they're going to be in the wasteland trying to get starts and they're not going to be eligible to the PGA tour or the corn Ferry tour or whatever. And, and it's, I mean, it's kind of sucks for that. Now, you know, I guess just one tournament, they're going to walk away with 120 K at least. So well, I don't feel too bad. You know, but and I wonder you know, if they're getting, I wonder, A, who has contracts overall, you know. I mean, it sounds like probably just the big names, just the, you know, Dustin Johnson, DeChambeau, Mickelson, you know, I'm sure Patrick Reed. Uh, I mean, and again, that's the thing about this right now is that it is some of the most, for the most part, you know, and I know you don't follow golf closely, but the people who've joined it so far are mostly unlikable, the sort, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, DeChambeau, uh, Patrick Reed. Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, uh, Lee Westwood, Mickelson, you know, people have finally realized what Mickelson is over the last six months or so. Well, like, I they're an unlikable sort. Federal, uh, but it, federal indictment has been... Exactly. Exactly. You know, like, and, and the phoniness and the, the, you know, jolly good guy image has kind of come crashing down, which I love. Uh, although I'm sure it hasn't to a lot of people, because a lot of people don't follow this that close. They don't follow the ins and outs. They'll see him at the U.S. Open next week, and they'll think, "Good old Phil, I love that guy." Um, you know, but but you know, for golf people, it's easy to just dismiss this right now. Oh, it's a bunch of old has-beens, a bunch of no names with them. Who cares? Well, yeah, and if it stayed that way, that's fine. But I if mean, they keep paying guys, exactly. And so you're just you're just holding your breath of who's the next guy to leave, and it and it and it starts to feel like you know, WWE, WCW. Mm-hmm. Where you know you start to you start to split, and I mean now that's probably not the greatest example because that brought about probably the greatest era of pro wrestling in the history of pro wrestling. Well, I think but, part of the fear though of what you're talking about is in WCW versus WWE, you had a build and competition and things. Right here, you have one upstart that is a money bottomless money right. pit. Right, right, and they and, could and, theoretically to to go cross 
sport again, if everyone has yeah. a price, they could just end the PGA as we know it because they'll as just we know buy it. Yeah, they the could. Top I mean, forty-eight guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that is an interest. So I've heard that you know a lot, and I, I'm always you know I always keep in mind that like the PGA Tour has been around a long time, and it's got a lot of influence in the media, in the corporate world. And, and so, like, you know, there's a part of me that thinks, like, if you just think the PGA Tour is going to roll over and play dead and, and you know, be swallowed up by this, I think you're wrong. But I, I, I certainly think it could have a very adverse effect on what the PGA Tour, I mean, like, you haven't lost <laughs> Dustin Johnson and DeChambeau, I suppose, you could argue. I mean, they both won majors in 2020, and they're both in their 30s, and, you know, so those guys are theoretically in their prime. You haven't lost a McElroy, a John Rahm, a Jordan Spieth yet. But what if you do? And, and you know, those guys are all holding the line right now. And I get it. But, but also, but, you know, golf the, is, is the, transitory. The, you know, there's other, there's other guys coming. And what if those other guys go there? Well, and, and then you don't have the guys to replace the McElroys and the Spieths and the Thomases and that, and that breed. The other piece of this is, on some level... If the Saudi government were to go to these guys, and I'm sure they have or will, and take all the math and say, look, if you let's pretend that you go on a Tiger Woods like run for right. the next decade, this is how much money you would make extrapolating that out. Here's a check today just to come <laughs> over. And then yeah. you can still make that money on our tour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the number. I don't know if you saw these tweets, but. And again, you know, money's gone up, obviously. And, you know, what Tiger made in his prime would be more now. But, you know, Tiger made $121 million so far in his career from PGA Tour earnings. Mm -hmm. Reportedly, Dustin Johnson got 125 just to sign there. Not even counting the tournament purses that he'll get. Mm -hmm. Not You know, so, like, it's it's insanity. And, I mean, there's reports out this week that, you know, they, they offered Tiger, you know, upper nine figures. Um, and he said no. But, you know, that, and, and it's great that Tiger's loyal to the PGA Tour. I love that. And I'm sure the mm -hmm. PGA Tour loves that. But Tiger can't play much anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and so you can't, you can't, you know, the savior can't be Tiger anymore. It just can't be. He's got, you know, five tournaments a year in him probably at most. And mm -hmm. four of those are going to be the majors if he can play them. Yeah. And those aren't PGA Tour events. And so, so, like, I mean, like, you can't, you know, Tiger's, the Tiger era is over. As much as I hate to say it, I love Tiger more than anybody. Um, but you know, that, that era is over when he plays great. It's a bonus, but it's not going to be that often. And it's not going to be that often at your run of the mill tour stop. Very, very rarely, if ever. Well, and the thing is, you know, what this could become, which maybe, maybe this isn't a bad thing, but what this could become is a place where David Beckham goes to end his career and, uh, Abramovich goes sure. to end his career and Messi's sure. going to go to end his career. It's going to be that where you're going to see these guys like, all right, well, I'm probably pretty much done and they'll pay yeah. me as much as I've made my whole career to come here sure. now. Which I think would be totally like if you told the PGA Tour that that's the outcome and that it basically becomes a very, very, very rich man's champions tour, they'd sign up for that in a minute. They don't, you know, that, that'd be fine with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it becomes, you know, when when some Joe from the Asian tour is going to walk away with probably, you know, a seven figure check this week for finishing, not even winning, 
but finishing in the top five, you know, then you're, then you're not your superstars on the tour, but you're, you know, your 11 through 40 guys are going to be looking at that and thinking, why am I slaving away here? I mean, slave, I put slaving in air quotes. I mean, you're still making good money on the PGA tour, but you know, why am I doing this when I could just go there and they play most of their events in the U S and, and I can, you know, I'm going to walk away with a lot more money immediately. Like that's where it gets dicey. You start losing your young guys and it becomes a worry. And, and, and it becomes, you know, I mean, I've heard this comparison thrown out a lot this week that, you know, are you on the road to being professional boxing? And that should, that should scare. I mean, it does. It scares me because, you know, you and I have lived through the, the, you know, seeing boxing when we were little kids, boxing was a big deal. And we have watched as boxing has become not a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it's in large part because it's become so splintered. There's, you know, eight different organizations that crown champions and you don't know who's who and you don't know what matters. And so you just stop paying attention because, you know, like, well, I don't know. But does it matter who the WBC champion is? This guy's the IBF champion. Eh, forget it. I'm just not going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. So that's the concern is that, you know, you, you have such a schism that you become boxing. I've heard of the, I don't know this sport as well, but um, IndyCar racing, you know, IndyCar mm -hmm. split into two factions. I remember, I don't think it is anymore, uh, but you know, it, it, I mean, does IndyCar matter outside of the Indy 500 now on a national level? Probably. You not. ever hear about an Indy race? I don't No. but it used to used. I mean, that used to be a, a consistent rival of NASCAR. Like, uh, you know, they, now, auto racing in general has lost some popularity, and you know, but but still, like you know, like outside of the Indy 500, I couldn't tell you anything. I couldn't tell you a race where it is, how many they have, who's in them, not mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah, I agree. So, those are the concerns. I think as a as a golf fan like myself, that you you don't want that to be the end result. Yeah, it, it's an interesting time in the world of sports it's very it's very interesting yeah yeah i mean this i don't know where this is gonna like I, i'm curious where this sits in a month <laughs> you know much less a year or two years like i mean are we just are we infatuated with this because it's brand new right now and by july this is just eh, another tour that guys make a ton of money and who cares might be mm -hmm. or is or is this the you know shake it to its core does it inspire the PGA Tour to make some good changes, which they could stand to make? I mean, mm -hmm. you know, the PGA Tour model has become very stale, and and you know, I I get it. You know, they've done the same thing basically for fifty years. It's like, well, can we, you know, we shake it up a little? Um, maybe this is it. And if that's the case, great. You know, but that's an that's an optimistic view, and I don't I don't share that optimistic view right now. Mm hmm. Yeah. It just feels like more to come, right? Like, this, oh, for sure. it, it, you know, for sure. it, it's made it further than the breakaway eight team uh, soccer, soccer league. league. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they've actually it done has. it. These guys have left, they've been suspended. It, you know, the threat that the Premier League made worked, the, the threat right. here right. didn't work. They left. They said, okay. And they did. They did. And, and, and I think one of the biggest differences there is, you know, fan, I mean, the, the soccer league basically got taken out for now 
put the for now on there because you always hear that it still exists and still bubbling beneath the surface because of fan intensity in Europe. Like the fans just revolted against it and and made it just unpalatable for these leagues to go forward with it or the clubs to go forward with it. But I feel like, you know, American sports fans, and a lot of these guys are American, uh, it's just like, you know, we just don't have the intensity to care that much. We get riled up and then we move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's just no shame. That's the thing. These guys are freaking shameless. They'll sit up there and they'll tell you that they're role models for kids and that they want to grow the game. It is a bunch of crap and they know it's crap and we know it's crap and they don't feel any shame about it. They, they just, they're just going to collect their check and walk away happily. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great lesson in modern PR tactics too. It is. Just, if you just keep saying it and you never. (laughs) Then we'll just give up. We'll just give up. I mean, uh, you know, we don't talk politics on here much, and I don't want to talk politics on here, but it's the Trump strategy. Just mm-hmm. just keep on going. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't apologize. Don't resign. Don't back down. Just keep on marching. Lie about it. Ignore it. Whatever. Don't matter. And and these guys are following his book. To mm-hmm. a T. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, no, we're doing this for the game. Yeah. Yeah, really? yeah. I, I mean, in the old days, it would be that, like, you could wow, donate the, the pressure is just going to be too much. Like, no, not anymore. They don't yeah. care. I donate your nine-figure check to uh, to First Tee. Yeah, exactly. And, if it's really about growing the game, yeah, and then yeah. I'm, give up that money. Then I'm give up some you. of that money. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bunch of crap. I mean, and, and you know, Nicholson's the ringleader, and, I mean, it's, you know, maybe we can transition here to topic closer to home but i'll just say once again you know and even more i it's sad that he's asu's most famous alum because he's just a i don't know he's a he's a soulless shameless person i think and uh, i hate that he's associated with my alma mater do you think Harden passed him maybe maybe you know i mean because like i don't think you get pedroia I don't think no, no. Bonds affiliated with ASU. I don't think baseball players. We don't think about their colleges as much. Mm-hmm. See, you know, like it, if you know it, you know it. But like, I would be willing to bet, like, probably ninety percent of Red Sox fans have no idea where Dustin Pedroia went to college. Yeah. You know, it just like he just appeared for the Red Sox, and that's where you started to hear about him. And yeah, you know, and I mean, maybe golfers. That's the case too. Uh, like, we don't follow college golf with the intensity of college basketball and football. But I think Mickelson's pretty well known for ASU. You know, he played here for four years. He, you know, like, I, I think he's well established as an ASU guy, and I hate to see that. But maybe, I don't know, that, that'd be an interesting, like, you know, survey to take. Like, is, is Harden more recognizable as an ASU guy? I don't know. Yeah. He's, of course, he's got his, you know, follies as well. But, uh, you know, ultimately, I, I think, you know, he's got integrity, maybe a little bit more than Mickelson. I don't think Mickelson has any integrity whatsoever. Yeah. He is out for himself. He is out to line his pockets and and you know be Mister Cool Guy. Mm-hmm. Um. So, in light of all of that, let's pivot now to other problems with ASU. Yes, yes. <laughs> closer, closer to uh, current ASU sports. Yeah. So where we're stuck right now. 
with ASU athletics is a Doug Haller poll that, you know, not scientific, says that people feel best about the state of the baseball program, and the baseball program is the only program that finished under 500 of the three big programs. (laughs) Yeah. Well, did basketball? Or did they finish exactly 500? I thought they finished exactly 500. I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I voted in the poll. Before we put the story up, I saw the poll. And and it was one of those that, like, I went to – I went to choose an answer, and then I thought, God, I don't know. What answer should I choose? And I chose baseball, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think he highlighted exactly why I chose baseball in his article, which is, you know, they have the newest coach. He's an alum. There's a feeling of a bright future, even if the present isn't all that great. Whereas the other two, you're less optimistic about the future. Yeah. Well, I, and I will, let's, okay, let's start with. But this. I hesitated on the answer, I'll be honest, because I'm like, I, I don't know, do I feel great about baseball? No, not really, but, eh. but well, yes, go for let's it. Let's start with We're, baseball. You've got recruiting momentum, such as it yeah. is. Um, yeah. You know, uh, obviously they signed the number one high school player in the country. There is a... One percent chance, less than one percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it probably will never play for us. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it. You know, it's a it's a win in a sense. You know, I I I guess what where I go to say it's a win is when you think back to the glory days, the teams that had Pedroia and you know Laduca and right Ethier. Ethier the, these yeah. were teams that had. No Prince Fielder, no Eric Hosmer, right? You know, John Lester, guys who uh, committed and yeah. didn't come because they, but they still had other really good guys. They had did. other great players. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, when I worked there, it's a great example. You know, the 2009 freshman class. Um, it was well, they were 2000. You know, the draft of 08. They were freshmen in the spring of 09. We were a great team. We went to the World Series back-to-back years. That class had five guys picked in the top 50 that never played a, a, a single game for ASU. So, I mean, even on top of losing all those guys, they had all these other guys that helped us be great. That's a perfect example of, yeah, I mean, you know, you just you stack talent and enough of it shows up on campus that you can win with it. Yeah. Now, I, I hope that we are within the bounds of the rules, to be clear. Sure. Doing what Murph did and not letting guys sign anywhere else. You know, the, right. the apocryphal right. Cole Calhoun story. Right, of, right, right, right. Yes, just, yes. You know, following him with a letter of intent until yep, he signed. Because yep. he wanted a, a redheaded kid to play outfield. And yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's a, it's a great Murph story. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Like I said, I think the you know the thing you feel good about with baseball is it's a blind hope. It's not a hope based on a lot of like actual fact right now, but it's it's a you know you, you get a new coach and they were record wise they were not better this year than last year. I mean last year they made the tournament this year they didn't, but there just existed more of a, a feeling of passion in the program. Mm-hmm. Um, you start to bring the alums back, get them into the fold. And so you feel okay about it. But again, it, it's blind hope. Yeah. It's hoping that a guy who, who's who got one year as a coach anywhere 
mm-hmm. is going to turn it around. We, we don't know if he will. The thing that it lets you do is, is believe that a culture can be instilled or reinstilled. Sure. Reinstilled, when, exactly. When yeah, I would agree. Him and Buck and Pedroia stops by. Right, and right. And Ethier stops by. And you're just like, oh, all right. There's a little more, you know, home feel around the pro. You know, you just you feel like this is ASU baseball. Like it's a, like it's a, you know, it's a comfortable place to to call home. Basically, um, now we got to win, uh, and and that didn't happen enough this year. They their pitching was really poor, um, you know, and it's gonna you know it's gonna take some work, but you don't have forever. You know, the transfer portal exists in every sport. We focus on it with football and basketball, but it exists in baseball. Got to go out and get guys. And they and, have you know, added a couple they guys. Have. They um, did, yeah. And, and you just got to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing with baseball, though, that gives me the most hope is I think your dollar goes a lot further in baseball. Sure, and sure. And there aren't an overwhelming number of schools who will focus their dollar on it, but we could be one. Yeah, we could. Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, I mean, no, we say all that and we've spent the last, you know, five minutes or whatever going over the things that give us optimism about baseball. And I will say in part, I answered baseball because it was like, well, I had to answer something if I was going to answer. And it sure as hell ain't football. So it really was the choice between basketball and baseball. I was like, well, I guess baseball. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's let's, <laughs> pivot, let's pivot to basketball because the thing I'm most frustrated by is the the quote about football uh, and how we're you know we're moving past it and Herm's the guy. I know. So we're gonna get into that. But sure. What I, but what I find perplexing is Hurley's under contract for two more years, which means during this season. You need to extend him because yeah. that's how it works. Right. Or, or you let him go. Right. You know, and so what then are we going to see from this program? Yeah. You know, we've been, you know, Haller's focused on this at length, but we have been in a funk since 2020. 2020 since yeah. know, the pandemic shut down the season. Right. Right. Last two years have been mostly below average. I mean, with a, with a decent little finishing kick this past season, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that gives you. So the interesting thing is, like, if the question had been framed, who are you? What of the three programs, who are you the most optimistic about next year? Mm-hmm. I'd have probably voted basketball because, yeah. I, you know, we return a decent chunk of our rotation. Um, feels like, you know, we brought in some decent talent. This Michigan point guard was pretty highly regarded. The true freshman point guard that we have coming in, um, you know, the, the brothers, the Cam- Cambridges, the Cambridge am I getting that name? Cambridge? Yeah. Am I getting it right? Cambridge, Something yeah. like that. It's Cambridge. The Cambridge brothers. And then, uh, yeah. And then the big kid from Nevada, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's, you know, we, yeah, we lost Jalen Graham and that things. Um, but you know, there's, there's enough that it feels like, Hey, what we did last year, what we've added and, and not subtracted. It's like, okay, you know, I, I, I think this team can be a tournament contender, but I'm not, I don't know enough about the baseball roster next year to say whether I think they can or not. I, I, I hope they can, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like 
just for the next 12 months, I probably would say basketball. Yeah. But then you wonder, like, another disappointing season. Are you making a coaching change? Uh, you, you know, I, I, Justice, who, you know, is moving back east. Right, um, right. You know, don't know what impact he had on recruiting Nunez, but that you know, True. when you when you only get one big recruit, you I guess you have to assume that all your coaches were in on him. Right, right, yeah, true. Uh, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Like again, I feel better about basketball than than football, and we've talked about that. And we'll talk about it more, I'm sure, right now. Um, but I, I still, I, I can't. There's not enough there over the last. You know, two years, as Haller has accurately pointed out, to feel good about basketball. I mean, two straight years missing the tournament and not even being close. Mm-hmm. Not missing on the bubble, not just barely missing, missing easy. Uh, being out of contention for an at-large basically by, you know, mid-January mm-hmm. uh, is, is not good. And so it's hard to be too optimistic about the state of things. Yeah. When you're a clear bottom rung of the like upper half of the bracket that's bad right right <laughs> you know for the conference tournament yes you know. yes you know it's just, just there's not enough there to feel great about things um you know uh, again we, we finished on a decent note last year now some of that momentum you know Felt like it got sucked away when you blow up, you know, 16 point lead with four minutes to go in the first game of the conference tournament or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard to feel too good about how you ended things. But, you know, the, the February, March regular season run was pretty good. And again, you bring back, you know, probably what, five of the top eight guys from let you lose Lawrence, Jackson, and, and Jalen Graham. And Heath. Um, right. And Heath, yeah. You know, so I think we kind of had like a nine-man rotation. We bring back five guys. Like, oh, okay, you know, and then, you you know, again, you add some good talent, it sounds like. And, uh, you know, I, I I have some optimism about this season, but not enough optimism to make me think, like, all is well, we're healed as a program. So I will ask you this question, which a year ago would have seemed like a a not good outcome, but I will ask it now earnestly. Yeah. Would you accept from Bagley the same season you got from Kamani Lawrence last year? Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't even have to think about it. Uh, yeah. I mean, Kamani Lawrence had a pretty darn good season. I know Bagley's, you know, high-end potential was better than that, and I'd mm-hmm. love it to be. I'd love for that reality to be that. But, you know, the fact that he's been on the court probably what less than 40% of the games he could have played for us. Maybe 40% oh, might was, be generous. I was going to say might, 20 might be 25 or 20. Yeah. I mean, it was barely any last year. He played what two games last yeah. year, I think. And then was, was out the rest of the year. He played more his freshman year, but mm-hmm. not, you know, he missed the last month, I think plus of the season, you know? So I, I would venture yeah. that in 60 games he's played. 20. Yeah. I was say Something like that. 20. Yeah, I, I would say and, maybe a third. He's probably played a. And third. the large majority were, you know, the, the 2021 season <laughs> and, um, and the 2021 non-conference. <laughs> right, right. So yes, I would absolutely. I mean, it, it, you know, because losing Lawrence, 
you know, I mean, I know Lawrence was here for five years, so you can't say like, oh, I wish he had another year. Like he already got an extra year that, that he shouldn't have had, you know, all being normal. Um, but still, like that's that's a that's a difficult loss. He was a really important piece of the puzzle to that finishing kick last year. Um, and so, yeah, I would 100. If you told me Bagley could give me for the full season what Kamani Lawrence gave us for the last six weeks of last season, mm-hmm. sign me up. Uh, you know, yes. Where can I sign and how quickly can I say yes? Okay, because I'm thinking that that is now probably a realistic hope. I don't think probably. I don't think elite is a realistic hope anymore. But I think it doesn't seem like it. I agree. Is a realistic hope. I agree. And and hey, if we're surprised and he's healthy and he plays like you know the player that that we saw in you know November of 2020 when kind of looked like he could be something. Remember we you know we watched those first few games with Josh Christopher and him and it was like kind of feels like Bagley's the better player. Um, and, and then that season just went off the rails completely and he got hurt, Christopher got hurt, et cetera, et cetera. But like, yeah, that, you know, if he gives us what he could give us, oh, man, all the better. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, well, are you done with basketball? That, that sort of encapsulates my feelings on basketball is. I think so. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, we got, we got, uh, five months before the season starts. We'll talk more about it, but yeah, I if, think we can move to football. If the question was winning percentage for next academic year, I think basketball is the highest, but that doesn't I would mean say. anything. Although I'd love for baseball to prove us wrong. And like, I'd love for basketball to, to go, you know, 20 and 10 and baseball to still surpass that. That'd be great. Yeah. It would be a very, very nice change of pace. Yes, probably unrealistic hope, but still, that'd be nice. But yes, let's let's talk football. So, I I mentioned it before, but the most frustrating part of the whole article to me was the Ray Ray quote that was from Speak of the Devil's podcast, which yeah. I don't listen to, so I this was the only place I saw it. Me but, too. But that's what yeah. I sourced to. Uh, of, we think we've put this behind us. Herm is the right guy to lead us into the future. Yeah. And it's like, I, what are you watching that makes you think that's true? And, and, and really, what this confirms to me is this is a guy who won't fire Herm. I agree. (laughs) I completely agree. I'd love to say, no, I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, to me, this is a statement of, I am not going to fire Herm Edwards. I mean, unless unless his hand is just absolutely forced. I don't don't see how it could be. I frankly... yeah, you know. Yeah, like what's... I mean, you know, the, the thing I guess you like, and I don't want this to happen, but I think it's possible as we've discussed. If the season just goes completely horrible, like three and nine, two and ten level, yeah. you're going to have no choice but to make a change. You're just going to have to. Now, maybe Herm the... takes you off the hook and and quits. But then my question know. to you is, do you have to get rid of? Ray Anderson to facilitate that. I, I, I mean, I, as a I, as a fan, I would say yes, and I think I think ninety eight percent of ASU fans would probably say yes right now. Yeah, I mean, but I just, we don't make the call. Well, but you know, there's I'm only one person who makes that call. I, 
I'm I'm saying logistically. I agree. If he's not gonna do it, and Herm says I'm staying, you're gonna pay me. Right, right. Then what is to be done? Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I, I mean, Michael. I don't Crow, know. Look, logistically, Michael Crow can fire whoever. Sure. The Board of Regents can fire whoever. So sure. they could do it and then not fire Anderson, and I guess Anderson could stay. But yeah, a pretty lame duck guy to you know let make the next coaching hire if he refused yeah. to fire the guy. I mean, here's the here's the save face sort of way this happens. If that season that we just talked about happens, uh, Herm says, you know. I've got some health issues that I need to I need to take care of. I you know he urbanized uh, it. Yes, the Bruce Arians, whatever you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, he's an older coach. It'd be very believable. True, maybe true, maybe untrue, but it would be believable that he says, you know, like I just you know I I've got to step away, and that allows you know Ray to save face. He doesn't fire him. He doesn't just quit on the team. Um, you know, like, again, I mean, if things go really bad and that, you know, Oregon state game, the last home game of the season, you're playing in front of, you know, a crowd of 18,000 people, um, you know, like you're going to have no choice, but you're going to have to do something. You have to. And I don't, I agree. I don't think Ray Anderson intends to fire Herm Edwards. I absolutely agree. I mean, that's but what your the hand quote, might be forced. That, I mean, that's what the quote was. Oh, I agree. I agree. Totally. Uh, I mean, and, and you know, I, I don't think he, and now even before the quote, I didn't think that. I mean, they're, they are in this together. Like he, you know, no one else on planet Earth would have hired Herm Edwards to be this coach. Like, I think that's fair to say. If anyone else was the athletic director when we made the choice to get rid of Todd Graham, which I think was the right choice, I think, mm-hmm. um, we would not have hired Herm Edwards. So they are joined at the hip, and and so, you know, yeah, I, it is an absolute correct question to say, well, okay, if Herm goes, uh, I mean, what happens with Ray? Like, does he go too? Does he step aside, take a cush job in the NFL? you know, something like that, the XFL, whatever. He knows enough football people he could find a landing spot if he wants one. And he might not need it at all. He might not. Oh, he probably doesn't. But if he wants to, you know, keep his name in there and whatever, like, he could find a spot with the NFL offices, with the team, with, you know, the USFL, the XFL, a network. You know, I mean, he's got enough influence um, that, you know, and enough, uh, you know, import you know, stuff he did the NFL before he ever came here. Like, he, he's, he's a well-established name that, you know, he would find a, a spot to land. And Herm, as we've talked about, could be back on TV in a minute. Like, you know, he, if he wanted a TV gig, he could have it tomorrow. So they could easily just say, you know, hey, we're, we're stepping aside. And, you know, if you ask me, like, okay, three and nine brings that result, and six and six brings another year of the two of them here, I might go ahead and say, give me three and nine. Well, because it feels like you're just delaying the three and nine. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, like, I, I hate to be that way. I mean, I, I actively, last year when the baseball team was in the tournament, 
I rooted for ASU to lose. And I did not like that feeling at all. But I thought, if they have some fluky win of this regional and they get to the Supers, we're going to hear, well, we've made progress. And I'm like, well, no, winning, winning three games in three days and then, you know, getting waxed in a Super Regional would not be progress. So I wanted us to lose in the regional, and it worked. We got the change we wanted. So it might be the same thing this year that it's like, I mean, if you tell me those are the two options and those are the two outcomes, yeah, give me the horrible season and the rebuild. Mm-hmm. And I hate saying that, but, that's, you know, if I had knowledge of the future, that's what I would take. So the NIL world now in which we occupy a precarious place as a a football program. Do you have to, and I think the answer is yes, do you have to consider more so now than ever before the interest of the fan base in your coaching hire? Because the fans are the ones who can generate the money to like the money. you know yeah. the, the coach needs the fans now more than ever Step not up financially not in the we need you out there to support our guys it's yeah. we need you out there so that we can pay these guys to come here yeah yeah it's a, that's a very good point uh, i hadn't thought of it cuz that, that's an because does point. that yeah. lead you to the you you kind of when you're in the ASU position need a guy from the Rose Bowl team to yeah. to be on that coaching staff to get people feeling good up. and loose yeah. with their wallet. Yeah, I mean, gosh, I you know, I don't know if you heard this. This happened in the last couple of weeks when you were gone, but you know, Ryan Dave comes out and basically says, you know, hey, we we need thirteen million dollars to keep our roster in place. Mm-hmm. I mean, he put a number on it. And basically, you know, without saying it, basically said kind of what you're getting at, which is, you know, step up. Help us out. We need the money. We can't give it to them directly. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we need you to do it. And, and yeah, I mean, that's an excellent point that I hadn't thought of in relation to ASU, but probably it's the case everywhere. Yeah, you need your, you need your fan base on board because your wealthy fan base, your, your influential fan base, you know, they could, they could help your roster construction in ways that, Maybe they could do under the table before. Now they can do it just outright in front of you. Well, and not only can they do it, they have to do it. You need they have this, to do it. You know, to keep up. Yeah, yeah. Because if they're so, not, you run yeah. into your quarterback, top two receivers, and best defensive player and best future defensive player leave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so yeah, that's a that's a very good point, and it's uh, you know it becomes a a vicious circle kind of thing about the state of the program right now, because I think, you know, I think a large majority of the fan base is very, is feeling a lot like us, which is very down on the current state of things and the near term future of things. Um, and I mean, I, you know, it never failed. Like, I mean, the news this week that the softball coach is going to Texas A&M, you mm-hmm. know, the tweets in reply are, you know, Ray's got to go fire Ray. Like, well, probably, I don't, I mean, I'm not the biggest Ray Anderson guy right now, but I don't know that any AD could have made any difference there. Like the SEC just has more money. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is just the nature of the beast. She, the lady's going to make more money coach for Texas A&M than she is here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the live golf PGA tour thing we just talked about. 
yeah. money talks, you know, but, but nonetheless, it is such a toxic environment right now around ASU that it just, you know, anything negative that happens, it's Ray Anderson is presiding over the house fire. He's got to go. Like you might be right, but it, it, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, but it, this also kind of as a, as an athletic department and, and, and Haller made the point, look, softball did well this year. A lot yeah. of the Olympic sports did well this year. Hockey's in a better position, yeah. you know, but ultimately if the perception is there's a problem there, you can either fire all the coaches or fire the one AD. So, right. Right. And, and look, I mean, you know, we're not breaking any ground here. And I think Haller even said it in that article. You and I have said it many times. Uh, you know, we could win national championships in 10, you know, Olympic sports. And if football stinks and basketball stinks, people are going to be down on the state of ASU sports. Yeah. Just, that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. And we could win, we could win, you know, 10 games in football, go to a major bowl and have all those Olympic sports suck, and people are going to feel good about the state of ASU sports. Well, and the other piece of that, frankly, is unlike most schools, you have a grace period where if baseball is good, right. people will give you more time with the other sports. Like Exactly, you have, yeah. You have this escape hatch, but the point of Haller's article was all of them are down. And if all of yes. them are down, it, you know... Softball being a game short of the Women's College World Series is a great story, but it is the fourth lead on what's going on with ASU Athletics. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, while you were gone, the you know the men's golf team made the the national final. You know, they were in the mm-hmm. final match, lost lost to Texas. You know, they were one one match away from winning the national championship. And I watched; it was on Golf Channel. I was hoping we'd win. You know, and it would have been cool, but ultimately. Had we won, I probably would have, you know, it would have been cool. I would have felt good about it. And two or three days later, I would have forgot about it. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Like, you know, like, we've been like, well, yeah, that was cool. That was fun. Moving on. But when we win a big football game, I mean, you and I still talk about the 2013 win at UCLA when we clinched the South. Mm-hmm. It's been nine years, and that is still imprinted in my brain, the feeling that night mm-hmm. when, we, when we won that. And the feeling the next week when we clinched home field in the title game and we bought tickets, you know, in the middle of the night to go to the Pac-12 title. Like, those are those are the moments you remember, and we're not getting enough of those right now at all. And you're right about baseball, and yet if, if baseball's drought lasts much longer, you start, to lo- you start to become USC. I mean, USC baseball has become irrelevant. They're mm-hmm. the most decorated program, most accomplished program in baseball history, and nobody cares about them now. Because they stink, and they've stunk for about two decades. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our baseball program had been good for a decade. So you, you, you risk losing that the more years pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I agree there is that with baseball, but, you know, fans age out. Students come and go. I mean, if you're, if you're a student now, if you're a local kid who goes to ASU, a freshman, you were seven, six, the last time we were in a college World Series. Mm-hmm. So if you, even if you're a big ASU sports fan, you don't remember ASU baseball being great. No, well, and Arizona's won a more recent national title, right? Right, and Oregon State, and 
you know, I mean, and again, I know college baseball isn't college basketball or football, but but it it did resonate here. And you're at the kind of the crossroads where you need to you need to get back to that level soon, or you risk you know not being able to get back to that level. Like even even if you were good and you made a college world series, that it's like, well, it's been so long, I have no allegiance to this program. Mm-hmm. You kind of become softball, where it's like, well, yeah, they made the college world series. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, now what? Yeah. I, of course, they didn't even make it this year. They got close. Yeah. But, you know, lost the super regional at home, which you know. But it I wasn't. Eight, it wasn't right eight now, nine. Admittedly, but still disappointing. Yeah, and it was an eight nine matchup. It wasn't like we were the. It one was. Seed. It was, and, and yeah, I mean, it, you know, look, I don't know much about softball. I, you know, I. They lost the Super Regional at home. I think they were up 5 nothing in Game 3. Uh, I remember seeing the score and thinking, oh, they're going to College World Series. That's cool. And it was like, well, now it's 5-5. Five, five, and then they lost. And um, you know, But again, like you said, that doesn't – you know, it's, it's, it's the fourth piece of the story. If they'd won the College World Series, it would still be the fourth piece of the story. Mm-hmm. If the golf team had won the national championship, it would have been the sixth piece of the story. And we're good at golf. We have, you know, a lot of good former golfers. We, you know, this is golf heaven in Arizona. We should be good at golf. Both teams made the, the NCAAs. Um, you know, the, the men made the match play final. That was that was a good run, and that's awesome. But, okay, you know what? What does that really make me feel deep down inside? Not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it, it. It's interesting where we are now as a program and as a, you know, just sort of across the board, it's it's hard to feel invested, isn't it? Like, I mean, not yeah. like in the yeah. in the day to day little stuff, because it's it just feels bad. Like we. Yeah. You know, yeah. Emory Jones didn't feel like a win. It felt like a consolation prize. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it feels like a a survival measure more than anything else. It was like, well, all right, we got a, we got a quarterback who people have heard of. Well, and it was mutual. It it was the, all right. I I mean, I wonder how I would have felt five months ago had we landed Spencer Rattler. Would I feel the same way that it's like, eh, you know, I don't know, but probably would have been different. But that's the thing is I, I I feel like what we got was look, Emory Jones was going to lose his starting job. And oh, yeah. our quarterback was more than happy to compete for a starting job in the SEC. Right. So, right. you know, a, a marriage of convenience, I think. For sure. For sure. I mean, I remember when when that was, you know, being discussed and I, I, I think I texted you or we talked about it or both. And I said, you know, like if Emory Jones wants to be a power five starter, this is the place for him. But yeah. if, you know, that's really it. Because there just weren't that many chairs available. The musical chairs had basically filled up, and we needed a starter. He needed a place, and yeah, so absolutely, it was a marriage of convenience. And, you know, like it's kind of like when the free agency market winds down in the NFL, and it's like, well, you know, Marcus Mariota hasn't signed. Oh, the Falcons need a quarterback because they traded Matt Ryan. Eh, sign Marcus Mariota. Well, and, and you know, might work out okay for them, but but still, it's not that inspiring. Well, and I think like one of the things is, you know, Jones didn't change his Twitter profile from University of Florida quarterback. And it's like, <laughs> is he, he still not? I, I don't know if he hasn't 
still, but it was weeks. It was weeks, but you know, before yeah. I left, um, yeah. that he hadn't, and it's like, you know, man. Now it says quarterback at Arizona State, but it's like, it? okay, it, you well, know, that's good. if that's you, good. I mean, it, yeah, I've heard good things about the kid. We I'm sure he is, that, but it's know? like he's here but, because he he's here, not because he wants to really be here, right? You know. Well, and remember, he was going to leave Florida, and then he stayed. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, I guess you have this little bit of wonder of, like, how all-in is he anywhere? Because it felt like he wanted to stay in Florida, but but I think basically after the start of spring ball, it was like, well, Look, you're not going to be the quarterback play. here. Yeah. So you might as well, you know, find a, another place to go, and we'll support you. And, you know, it seems like it was a classy departure from Florida, but still, like, well, did he really want to leave? Felt like, no. I like he wanted to stay, which, you know, I admire that, but it's also like, ah, yeah, it absolutely feels like a consolation prize. I mean, that's a great way to put it mm-hmm. for him and us. He's probably yeah. thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like, well, you'd be a starter somewhere. Yeah. Power five. Like I'm playing power five starting football and we're yeah, thinking, but it's hey, not where I want a, it to be. We got a guy who has starting experience in the SEC against the best defenses in the country. Right. Right. You know, and hey, maybe. You know, I said it to you before, like, I think he can give us Jaden Daniels level of play. And I'm not sure anybody else on the roster could have. So I guess that's yeah. good. But the key is, hmm. if you give me Jaden Daniels from last year without Rashad White, without Ricky Pearsall, without LV Bunkley Shelton, without Curtis Hodges, without, without three Trenum. starting linemen, without DeMonte Trainum. Yeah, like, uh, okay, what do I have? I have a pretty average quarterback without his best weapons. Mm-hmm. I have the Vegas Bowl in some yeah. ways, and that wasn't the best, you know, it wasn't exhibition the best of offense look for this team. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. You know, I mean, hey, the we're we're uh, we're getting close to the time of year that it's almost football season. Um, you know, like it, we're not quite there, but we're rounding that corner. And three months, less than three months, we'll we'll have played our opening game. And we'll see what this team looks like when we finally get to see him. But I think we both can agree, you know, in terms of like preseason optimism, this is about as low as I've been. Yeah, this is low. Yeah. I mean, even uh, the only one I can sort of compare it to is 2009 when we had Danny as the quarterback. And and you kind of knew he was going to be the quarterback. And I, I think we all thought he was overmatched. And we'd had a bad year in 08. And it was like, what are we what are we in for? And, well, we were in for 4-8. Um, that's the only one I can remember that kind of compares to this. Yeah. It's, it's not ideal. No, no. So, you know, we'll see. Again, I, I've looked at the schedule and, you know, I, I – there's the second half of the season isn't on paper that difficult. Um, so I feel like if we can, you know, stay afloat, we could maybe get to six wins, seven wins. Mm-hmm. But then you have the conversation of, is that anything worth getting excited about? Yeah. We'll be bowl eligible for a bad bowl game. Right. Right. I mean, it's like we were supposed to, we we're supposed to be better than that with this group, with this head coach, with this, like, well, and remember, uh, not not only like is that a fan talking point. That is 
D.A.D. told us. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and again, and now it comes he says, back you know, to this well, is I didn't what put a timetable on that. Well, what timetable was it, Ray? We Jesus. were seven and five. And you said <laughs> yeah. this wasn't good enough. And it's been four yeah. years. Like what? Yeah. I mean, this is like me saying, you know, I'm going to marry a supermodel. But I didn't put a timetable on it. So if I'm 90, I still have the chance. Like, no, I don't. Like, you know, my window's probably already closed for that. But like, you, you don't get forever, Ray. Yeah. You know, like the, uh, well, I didn't say when we were going to get to that level. Uh, when? Well, and Tell I, me when now, for God's sake. I believe that the presumption was soon. because you, Sometime within five years. Because yeah. you told us that what was happening was unacceptable, and you gave, right. like, Graham right. was more successful than this. Yeah, that answer really annoyed me. I can't remember when he said that. You know, that wasn't in this most recent thing, but... You know, like, you know, I think it was Haller, you know, that wrote that story, kind of called him to account on that. And, you know, well, you know, I I didn't put a timetable on that. That's still our goal. Like, well, of yeah, it's the I mean, goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's it's sort of like me saying, you know, my goal is to be, uh, you know, six foot six and and play in the NBA. Like, well, I missed my window. It ain't going to happen. Like, you goal. know, like, sure, it's my goal, but I'm not it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, uh, lastly, NBA Finals and uh, how we play harder basketball or not as hard basketball than in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, right, right, of course. Oh, it's, it's always something. The good old days. Things were better. Things were tougher. Mm-hmm. Jordan got fouled. Jordan got brutalized. Like, People yeah, literally really. punched Michael Jordan in the face exactly, any yes, time yes, he they, entered I mean, the three-point. Basically, the the bad boys just you know shot him with a with a gun every time he went to the basket, and, mm-hmm. you know. But he still averaged thirty-seven a game. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, been an interesting uh, playoffs, and you know, I I still think the Warriors win this series. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm not convinced yet. The, but, the you know, Celtics I'm taking game at how one. It sits right now to say that the Celtics taking game one really changed the tenor of expectations. It did. It did. Yeah, especially given that at the end of the third quarter of game one, they're down by what twelve or something, and you're just mm-hmm. thinking like, eh, probably overmatched in this series. And I just don't. And then they, you know, they storm back and and then they controlled the game last night. You know, seemed mm-hmm. like for most most of the way. And so yeah, I mean, I, I think. You know, when they when it was one one, I kind of thought, okay, if the if the Warriors win Game Three, it probably does not feel good for the Celtics. Well, the Celtics won Game Three, and now it feels like, all right, if they can win Game Four too and take a three one lead, then I might start to buy it. They can actually win this series. Yeah, <laughs> if they win four games, I'm really yes. gonna I'm really gonna then believe I'm, it's there. Then I'm ninety eight percent sold that they will win the series if they win four games. <laughs> Very yeah. Eric Dickerson analysis from early 2000s Monday Night Football. Yeah. They get to four wins. I like their chances to win the championship. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we will uh, we'll be back with a little bit more frequency than we saw in the yes. uh, last couple weeks. Yes. <laughs> but uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's Ben Matt Sportscast. <laughs>